Welcome to the Worst Sports Channel on YouTube, Hawk Garbage Sports, with me, Coach Ryan D, and my two buddies, Jake and Zach from Peg City Hockey, Zach from the Nolan Hockey Podcast. This is the Prairie Puck Podcast. This is a recurring podcast we do every week. Video drops 9 a.m. Central Time on Friday. We're late at this week. You have to chase around all three of our channels in order to catch every episode. Welcome to episode two, the Winnipeg Jets versus Edmonton Oilers playoff preview episode jake zach i'm fired up zach you are absolutely the most energetic of the group why don't you open it us up and tell us what do you think about the oilers and jets buddy well let's 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 try to first not think of recent history or at least recent <laughs> history with the oilers because we are two and seven going into this series of the oilers that being said and if we're looking at like the the tail end of the season, not great. Like, we're like 4-10, and ten, and I think the Oilers have, like, the best re second or third best record after the um, free agency. That being said, the last couple games the Jets played, even though they were kind of meaningless, were encouraging signs going into this playoff series. And that's kind of all you could say, because you're dealing with a lot of hypotheticals. Um, but definitely i think it's a winnable series i think it's a series that if we're going to win we probably need to go six games to do it um there are no shortcuts when you're playing against Connor mcdavid and i think honestly too you you just need a team effort from everyone like hellebuck will show up nine times out of ten you need to bring your you need to pull your weight main I point i totally agree with you zach but i gotta remind you you're a young buck this has been going on for 30 years. I was about to say that. I was about to say that, years. Coach. Since the WHA days in 79, the Oilers have had our numbers. Every time we wake up, Gretzky. If it's not Gretzky, it's Curry. If it's not Curry, Grant Beers learned how to play in net, even though he's <laughs> just like Mike Smith. Then we end up coming back to the NHL and the garbage Edmonton Oilers who get 10,000 lottery draft picks bribing Gary Bettman end up with mcjesus his holiness and here we are again oh jake talk about it i can't even i'm i'm with you there coach man this goes back to the 90s even and even before that with the 80s i am tired of losing the oilers and honestly zach touching on what you said about you know going in in recent history against the oilers i have a graph here that i made personally and i'm just got to say right now looking at these numbers against the oilers i cannot just try to box these out against my head just this season alone like you said a two and seven record lose losses to edmund can include a score of three to one six to one 3-0, 4-2, 2-1, 3-2, Now, there were some close games in there, don't get me wrong, but if you actually watch those games, and you know what I'm talking about here, we did not really deserve to win those games. We were just able to score because we can generate offense because we have unique offensive players that know how to play offense. That's because they're good at it, right? We have a great offense. And I don't have faith going into the Oilers with this matchup. Uh, Connor McDavid has reaped on us this whole season long. He's been a jet killer. And I just, I'm very nervous going in. And even as the biggest, you know, West Coast fan there is out here, there's got to be some, you know, sense of reason we're going into this where I can't just be like, I think we're going to have a chance because I really don't see us getting past this team in, in any amount of games, Zach. I think your confidence on them going even six games potentially is 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 crazy, and I'm glad that you're able to say that because I sure as hell can't. But 
I just think that this team is more likely going to get knocked out in four or five games. I hate to sound like that, but I, I don't see us coming in. I don't think this wins in the last few games change anything. I think the momentum is okay, but even tonight against the Leafs, the Leafs weren't going in with their full strength. Even Paul Murray said going into this game, there's a bit of respect between the players. They're not going to be doing all this dirty stuff. It's not going to be a physical game and all this stuff like that. And then and then Stassi got injured I know, first play. I know. I, that's not what I'm, I'm still trying to say. I, yeah screamed at the TV. I'm like, really? Great start. I know. Like, I was mad about that too, not benching players. I just, look, there's just so many variables within this season that happened that just, for me, tainted it for me. And I like this team and I believe in this team, but when you're, you know, Edmonton scores 37 goals on you in nine games played, that's not a, that's a pretty rough look, especially for a, a team where in a playoff situation, you have to win four games against them and you weren't able to do that in nine games. Uh, good luck doing it in seven and good luck doing it in seven games that actually means something other than just potentially chasing for a playoff spot because let's be real, the Jets could have been knocked out a long time before, you know, they clinched and whatnot or however it could have happened and these games could were technically could have been meaningless, right? You have to think, this is what McDavid has been playing for. McDavid wants to prove everybody that he is the best. There's all this hype around the Matthews and his winning the Rocket and how great he's been to be with the scoring goals and all this potential and pressure on the Leafs but I don't think people are realizing that the true matchup is going to come to the Leafs when they actually have to play an unlocked playoff potential McDavid. We haven't really seen McDavid potentially at his best in the playoffs yet, I would say. I think this year we're going to finally see what type of real monster McDavid is when he gets to the playoffs this year, especially after the season he's had. And he's been a monster. And boys, there's three keys to this for the Jets. Let's not get ahead of ourselves and anoint the Oilers going into the Leafs. Let's talk about the three keys for the Jets. Three things that I see. Maurice is going to do his dumb, repetitive thing where it's Blake Wheeler, Mark Shifley, and Kyle Connor. This line is all offense. I know there's going to be some Jets fans out here that don't feel this way because we love our home team, but these guys don't play good defensively together. Nick Ehlers is our best forward both ways, and they are not going to replace Blake Wheeler with Nick Ehlers, which is the wrong play. So let's talk about that line first. Then let's get to the fact that the Jets are just completely exposed on the transition game. When you have Kyle Connor, Shifley, and Wheeler pushing for goals, I see the repetitive thing happening. If a turnover happens in the neutral zone, guess who turns it over? McDavid, it's in the back of the net. If you take a shot in the offensive zone, and this line is incredible at offensive zone uh, protect. They're incredible at offensive zone per possession. That's the P I'm trying to get out of here. Possession. But the issue is they take a shot off the goaltender. The rebound kicks out. Normally, they're able to get it, but McDavid picks it up. He's gone the other way again. The transition game of the Oilers is nasty. And the third thing I want to talk about can, can Connor Hellebuck bail us out of our failed transition game? Because they is the, there's going to be two-on-ones, there's going to be breakaways, three-on-twos, four-on-twos. Can Connor Hellebuck make those post-to-post -post miracle saves and hold McDavid and Dreisaitl to two? If that line scores two, I truly believe the Jets can score three, maybe four to win. But we need to score three or four. There's no winning this series 2-1. What do you guys think of those three points? Okay, so I will I will say one thing though actually though, and you're actually very like scarily accurate at the part where we need to score three or four. Connor McDavid has never gotten less than two points in a single game against the Jets the entire season. Every yep. single and we have game, to hold he them to that. two or more, and that's and it's one of those things where I think the like part of that is what is the real answer to Connor McDavid? Is it that you limit McDavid, or is it that you have to establish a counterattack? that takes into account, yes, Connor McDavid is going to score on us tonight. How are we going to outscore them? Because mm -hmm. that's, that's, you know, like, I, 
the, the funny thing is, I compare this series a lot to, when I think about it, is it's kind of like the Dallas-Colorado series in a way. In a way. Because McKinnon was unstoppable on the abs. I think he finished with a point per game. Because he had, like, they were talking about him compared to Gretzky. And Dallas had to dig really deep to take out that team. And it still led into the fact that the only game that McKinnon didn't get a point in was Game 7, the one they lost. And that's kind of what you have to take into account with Connor McDavid. You will let him score. You won't let him score. He will score whether you let it or not. You need to have a good counterattack. Your guys who are designed on your team to score, like Kyle Connor, who is bad defensively, that is oh. common knowledge, he needs to then make up for it in the offensive zone every opportunity he gets. He cannot be missing the net like seven times a night because that will cost us games. I agree. It'll cost us periods. I agree. And, and you know what? You're bang on, but I can't wait for you to get roasted about calling Kyle Connor bad defensively. But you're right. It's going to get lit up in the comments. Jake, where are you at? Well, you know, if he's going to get lit up in the comments for that, I'm going to get lit up for being called an idiot and everything else because I, I really, cutting back to what you said about structure, Zach, and even what, what you said, Coach, about the Lions, that bothers me to my core. Like, it really does because we, as the, like, fans of hockey, like, if there's one thing you can give credit to Winnipeg Jets fans is that we understand the game of hockey. You know, we, we do. A lo our lo like, we're not just, like, you know, some of those Leafs fans out there, the bandwagon fans and whatnot. We get the game. We do. We, we do. And I got to say... When I look at this team going into the playoffs, coach, what you said about Hellebuck, I agree. If he stands on his head, we have a chance, and I and I totally support that. And I agree even with the fact that I, although I do not like the top line of Wheeler, Shifley, and Kyle Connor, if that line gets hot, we win games without a doubt. If that happens, but my problem is that line hasn't been very hot consistently. Like it's like complete hockey in a long time, you know. Like you said, the worst. Just put it under perspective for all you advanced stat nerds out there. Blake Wheeler has the worst defensive stats, advanced defensive stats for any player in the NHL. The worst, and that says something about a guy that you send out to be your you know top line defender when you're sending your top line to defend, and they don't do that because that's the problem. Another problem with this team is that you have Mark Scheifele wanting to play defense and improve his game, but they don't play defense. They don't get better. And I don't see this team all realistically unless a huge, huge change in the room and within on the bench and the play style of the ice is going to have to really be the big difference maker, in my opinion, on whether or not they're going to have a chance to beat the Oilers. And the first test will be, with, in my opinion, the first period. If the Jets can actually show up and play a complete first period against the Oilers, and I can see enough changes, maybe more Pionk action, better matching your defensive pairings, restructuring your lines, and the more most important, crucial thing, I don't think the Jets fans take into consideration on how we could potentially beat, even though the, that you know I don't think we will, I'm being real, I think that the Jets need to find a way to score against the Oilers' bottom six. If the Oilers... The Oilers bought have we really real we all know their depth is non-existent after you get past that top six and not no offense Oilers fans you got some good characters down there but they're not like they're the greatest players in the world and that's a big thing that the Jets need to realize is that the Jets have a lot of scoring in their bottom six and if their bottom six can be able to get you goals and get you goals quickly in games where the you know and take advantage of that I think that that's a way that the Jets can win 
I think taking advantage of and balancing your lines better, with, like what you said, Coach, structuring everything to play better defense in a tougher game against McDavid, limiting him to those two points or less, limiting that line as a whole, right? And then focus all your other attention to scoring the goals that you want to score that win you games, the nitty-gritty goals. Score them by driving to the net and playing hard against a weaker bottom six forward core because that's where you shine. You have Appleton. You have Lowry. Cop is injured for this tonight. No, we know undisclosed and all that, but if he comes back, another guy that can play anywhere in the lineup, we don't know exactly what's going to happen with Ehlers. There's a lot of possibility, and even with Stastny potentially even jumping down there, there's a lot of scoring on this Jets team, and we need to find ways to score goals against their non their top line and play really well against their top line. The bottom pair, the bottom six for us really needs to step up and play the best hockey they played in a long time because I think that if that happens, we could win the series. That's the only way, in my opinion, because I don't see the top six really becoming any more dynamic than what we've seen from them this year. We know what they are at this point. Their identity hasn't changed, but the bottom six identity has been scoring all year round. So if you can unite that scoring and get it ignited just at the right time in the playoffs, I think you could take advantage of a weaker bottom six for forward core for the Oilers going into a playoff series in seven games. I, I totally agree with you. And you know what? Your advanced stats point that you say about Blake Wheeler highlights what I think Winnipeg Jets fans have been seeing with what you'd like to call the eye test. Exactly. They've been talking about the Lowry line matching up against McDavid because the Wheeler line just can't do it. Well, that eye test isn't leading you wrong. The problem is, is that when you put out the Lowry line against McDavid, which they should do in the defensive zone, I'm not saying not, but when you do it in the neutral zone or the offensive zone, you're taking away your opportunity, as Zach said, to score because you need to score against this team. So what Paul Maurice should do, but we know he won't do, is he needs to shuffle his top two lines. I would put a defensive player like Stasny with Shifley and Nick Ehlers. Drive that line. Dubois, Wheeler plug-in player here doesn't matter who but it's going to be kyle connor now you have some defensive zone responsibility on both lines and then again bringing it to back back to what both you and zach said you have to score when mcdavid gets off the off the ice i spend a lot of time talking about the leafs i give them way too much attention but i'll give them more attention on this one the reason the leafs end up beating the oilers in this matchup is because they are scoring at a clip of 3.4 goals per game versus the oilers at 2.4 because the leafs are unlocking because sheldon keith knows how to freaking coach paul maurice dud right now He's unlocking four lines and rolling four lines, and McDavid gets off the ice, Tavares scores. McDavid comes on against Tavares, Matthew scores. It doesn't matter what you do. The Leafs score in the bottom six and second line to second line because you nailed it, Jake. I don't think it's offensive to say after the top four players in the Oilers, Barry, Nurse, Dreisaitl, and McDavid, it's dust. It's dust down there. If you don't think it is, you can talk about Nugent Hopkins, replaceable level player. I could trade a first round pick and get a Nugent Hopkins any day of the week for a 19th overall pick. I could. He's defensively You're strong. Right. I can replace him. I can. It's so I'm not going to sit here and, and I'm not beating up Oilers fans, but I'm not going to sit up, sit up here and give them more credit than what they are. Their team is four players, but that team can win the freaking Stanley Cup exactly. with four players. So what should happen? It's pretty simple. Maurice should shuffle his lines. Pionk and Morrissey should be matched up against the McDavid line. You should be using things like advanced stats to move your better defensive forwards against McDavid, but they still have to have an offensive punch. And there you go, but he's not going to do it. So let's talk about what he is going to do, which is Connor Shifley Wheeler, and go right back to Zach's point, which is they better score. That line needs three points in a game yep. if we're going to beat him. Because exactly. this is a race to five. Exactly. If the Jets are going to win, race them to five. So... That's kind of where I'm at with it. I 
I don't know what more we can say about it other than those three things. You guys got anything else? Well, I guess the one thing I kind of want to send us kind of down this rabbit hole with is, I, personally, I would love to hear your guys' structure of the defense going into this matchup against the Oilers, because everyone this season has had their opinion on what their defense should look like, and now we've basically seen every potential guy that could ever, you know, get their way into this lineup this season, realistically, they've played at least one game, maybe not as much as we'd all like, really, Hinola, <laughs> but... We, they've all played. We've seen them. We have an idea, a very small sample size of different uh, lineups and whatnot. What would your guys' ideal pairings be? I'll send it over to you first, Coach. Okay, well, I, I've talked about these pairings to death. Maurice is going to break my heart. He's going to put in the plug in, in Jordy Ben, the other Ben. If someone likes him, that's fine. Jordy Ben has his place in the NHL. Derek Forbert has its place in the NHL. Pullman even has his place in the NHL. But we talked about the transition game of the Oilers. I've timed them. They can get from their goal line to our goal line and put it in the back of the net in under two seconds. That's how fast they move a puck. So when these three plugs play dump and chase hockey, which hasn't been played in the NHL in at least 10 years, and they're going to do it, Paul Maurice feels comfortable because it's safe. It's going deep. Well, the Oilers can actually score on you from their own zone. They're that fast. I'm not saying the puck's going in from their own zone, but they can move it north to south so quickly it can be in the back of the net. So when you give up puck possession, it's crap. Vili Hanola should be in there. He's not going to be. DeMello, he actually looks really good right now. Morrissey and Pionk are going to play, and all of us fans, we're going to have to cross our freaking fingers because Paul has no idea what he's doing, in my opinion, now. Zach, you can go. Okay, so... <laughs> all right, well, like, I guess, like, if we're if we're talking about lines, um... What was the other thing? Um, well, first off, the, the thing that, that you mentioned about the dump and chase game, I think it's key to point out... Not to get sidetracked. I'll get back to the other thing in a sec. Yep. But, um it kind of illustrates a problem that we have offensively, especially with the top line. It's the fact that we are so willingly, like, we so willingly give the puck away. Ugh. It's frustrating. God, like, tell me about the it. The amount of times that we go into the neutral zone and we don't even, like, flick the, like, flip the puck in and chase it. We flip the puck and make a line change. That is giving possession away. You will now no longer score. All that work you did to get out of the zone, gone. Like, every single bit of it. It's, it is frustrating. Now, in terms of defensemen that I would like to see, I would say top pair would be Morrissey-Pionk. Uh, second pair, I would like to see that Hainala-DeMello uh, pair. Third pair, yeah. I'd actually be okay with Stanley-Ben. I know that you're not high on Ben. I would say this, though. I think Ben has a legitimate more... I, have, I think Ben offers more toughness than a guy like Forbert, who, let's be honest... Since that Hugh thing, the mystique is gone. The aura is shattered. Like, he got knocked out by McEwen pretty much the next game. Like, and you need a certain degree of toughness. Now, they don't need to be key players, but they need to play a part in standing up for your team in those tougher battles. Like, think about how Bufflin and Myers, those two guys, you don't, you're not going to get guys like that, but they had a presence. Bufflin could go into a scrum of all Nashville players and just grab two. And then just come out with them, and then it's like, okay, you four grab the rest. Like, and that's the thing, because we've seen this team, like, and it's been a, a problem for, like, the last two years now, injuries. Yeah. How do you, like, try to avoid injuries better? Having better physical toughness. Lowry yeah, I helps agree. with that. Ben helps with that. Stanley helps with that. I agree. Yeah. I, I agree. 
just rounded off mine really quickly, I'd go exactly kind of like Zach. I would go with Jomo and Pionk on that top pairing, DeMello with Hinola on that second. I thought that that was an amazing pairing that time we saw it play. And then on my third pairing, I would go a little bit interest. I would kind of shuffle all the guys around depending on how they play, kind of what we did when we had Joe Morrow back in the Western Conference run because at times Morrow was valuable at matchups against other players, and then at times you would insert in Terrell Enstrom as well for certain offensive matchups and benefits. Now, in my opinion, he Enstrom should have played more, not talking about history here. Point being, though, I think that doing that, because let's face it, we don't have a real set guy that can play that third pairing because we just have a lot of bums that can slot in there on any other NHL team and no one would bat an eye. So for us, it's like, well, which one are you going to pick? We pick from your pile of the garbage, right? So I think that personally, if I would go in, I would just kind of leave it up in the air and whoever earns it, whoever plays the best, you know, maybe start off with a guy like with Ben and Logan Stanley. See what you get out of those guys, because one of the both of those guys is going to bring toughness. See which guy plays better, and then maybe shuffle in forward after. Maybe you put Pullman back in. But knowing how Paul Maurice plays Pullman, I'd be very surprised to see him not be in the lineup for the playoffs. Oh, so, completely. I'm fine with that. They don't have to put Pullman in. Every I, I'm fine Pullman, with it too. But I realistically look at what how Paul Maurice plays Pullman. Pullman. Yeah, but every time Morris rem- plays with Pullman, it just a part of me dies inside. I like, agree. There, there goes Morrissey's analytics. Like it's gonna go all red all day because he he's playing with Pullman. Pullman reminds me of the pylon that comes out of the big green wooden crate at the public skating rink that the kid cracks open to get a chair to push it. Like he is useless, useless. He okay, so in other words, oh, Mark he Stewart is chair, completely. So to round it out, I think I think Zach, you nailed it with the fact that you're talking about possession. I, I want to bring it back to possession quick. The Jets and the Oilers have two very different ideas of possession. So what the Oilers do that is so successful, you got to tip your hat to Dave Tippett. And yes, that's a pun. I'm very punny right now. Dave Tippett has instructed this team to play the way basically any AAA coach wishes they could coach, which is give the puck to the best player. These exactly. are professional athletes, <laughs> yeah. and they understand it. Give the puck to 97. 97 will distribute it to Dreisaitl or Nurse or Barry. But as soon as he uh, distributes the puck, look to give the puck back to 97. It is super, super simple hockey, and it works. They're not saying head man the puck. They're saying wait for 97. He's fast. He'll be there. Everything runs through 97, and it makes perfect, perfect sense. I don't mean to beat up Oiler fans saying we have more than that. But McDavid changes the game that much. I honestly think you take McDavid out, and that team's a bottom fifteen team. Oh, now, without a doubt, I think Oilers fans would even agree with that. I don't. I don't think there's any question there. Completely. Well, and Drysaddle's yeah. good, but but he's one. So but Drysaddle can't. Ca- Drysaddle is also the type of player that is fantastic and he's great. No one takes away from his talent. But you know for a fact that he can't carry a team. He's not the guy that can carry a team like McDavid can. I don't. Maybe really? get, like it's not like the NBA, you know, where you can have one star like a Portland or like a bunch of other teams too, where you can just drag to the playoffs because you have a great star that's carrying you night and night. No, it's not like it in hockey. You got to have some supporting cast, and they don't have any supporting cast. Well, completely. Drysaddle's and, and, Exactly, absolutely. Yeah. Completely. And, and you know what's happened in Edmonton too? They've talked about it. Tippett talked about this. Connor McDavid's changed his game this year. For the fans that think that Connor McDavid is not good defensively, yeah, you were right last year and you were right the year before, but he's unlocked his game. And it is because of puck possession, like you said, Zach. He's not ditching the puck. 
into bad spots or taking shots at wrong angles. He's just holding the puck. If he doesn't have a perfect opportunity to pass or shoot, he makes the pro curl, he keeps possession of the puck, and that is how his defensive stats have improved because it's very hard to score when you have the puck on your stick or get scored on. The Jets, and I know Jake's going to love this, so get ready to take it and run, baby. Why do they overpass Shifley, Wheeler, Connor? Pass, 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 pass. And then, the like, just right into oblivion. Shoot the puck. Like, Nick Ehlers is the only one that's learned to shoot the puck. So, you guys, take that one and run with it because, Kay. Christ. I, do look, you want this one? Yes, yeah. I do. Yeah. I do. Yeah, you start. You start. I want we, this we've talked so about badly. So much. We've talked about this on every stream, I feel like. Every stream, every post-game, every pre-game, anything I do. Anything I do. Why is the Jets' offense only do two things when it comes to shooting the puck oh the oh there are five guys in front of the net right now and i'm open i'm gonna take a shot into the lane because maybe it'll get tipped by four people and go in or or oh i've got a good lane right now got a good shot to the net it might go in but it's not a highlight reel pass just yet i gotta get that perfect pass let's give it a blake behind the net and he can perfectly feed it up to somebody in the dot and drop a shot it's, it's ridiculous they never shoot on time it's the don't even get me i'm not even going in on two-on-ones because we've talked enough about that and it is a cursed subject in this land i am done with it i don't understand this team's with its offense like i constantly say this team is full of dynamic scorers dynamic hockey players in every regard they can score into every different which way like they're good at that that's why our offense is that's why we're as good as we are at times because our offense carries when you have an offense that dynamic that can shoot that well and yet you can't put in the simple plays behind the net. You can't shoot on a power play. You do too many passes. You shoot into the lanes because you think you have to shoot. You ring it around the boards. At time. It's just every time they should do something, they do the exact opposite. And they've done the, and they, you they, know, It's just so frustrating. And, and, and you know what? If anyone listening to this channel, one of my subscribers, wants to go check out some of Jake's amazing, amazing tactical breakdowns and, frankly, pretty good rants with a lot of smarts behind them, go to Peg City Hockey. It's on YouTube. Smash the subscribe, follow him. He's great. If you want to see Brassois' bench and you want to see some absolutely amazing, heartfelt after-game takes, go to the Nolan Hockey Podcast. Smash the subscribe. These guys are very, very fun and entertaining at what they do. Because don't don't be so flattering. All, <laughs> all about the two on ones that the Jets screw up. But that is actually something tactically that coaches talk about to improve defensive stats. If you turn the puck over in the neutral zone by overpassing, underpassing, or getting your shot blocked, which the Jets do routinely, exactly your defensive stats are bad. And unfortunately, because the Oilers are so good at transition, they pick up that puck. The Jets get exposed in transition, and here we are. We don't have a They're transition. They have game. to find a way to correct it. Well. I mean, you know what? Neither do the, neither Washington Capitals fans will beat me up, but neither do the Capitals. And yeah, they but can the win. Capitals can win games. Just, we can't. The, the, you know. Oh, well, the how, long, how long did the Capitals not win though? You know what? You know what, Zach? Yeah. I would rather make the playoffs, lose within the first round potentially, lose in the second. Oh, did my mic freeze? Cam freeze? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Cam froze. Well, I the mic can... didn't freeze. Cam froze. That's perfect. That's perfect. We're, should we just leave that face on for you beautiful people to check out all stream? <laughs> I can fix no, it actually in a bit. I don't even remember when my I lost my train of thought there, so I will fix the camera the real cat. quick. Uh, you guys just continue on the conversation real quick. Sure. I, like the Capitals needed a lot. Like they took them forever. Oh, absolutely. But you know how you said I'm not high on Jamie Ben. Yeah. Well, you you yeah. you, kind you of got you got to you got to remember something though. I run a YouTube channel called Hot Garbage Sports. I don't take myself that seriously. <laughs> you think I do? I I 
You, you guys can back me up here. I send every single text with lol at the end of it. Because I don't take anything I say seriously. Yeah, but, but aren't you young enough that you're supposed to be putting dead or crossbones at the end of it? I thought lol was dead and I'm old. <laughs> yes, but that's more of a like a, a lightheartedness to give speaking it. Of, speaking of old, I ah. actually turned 35 in one hour. I arise minutes. from the dead. <laughs> there he is. I don't know why my does that. My USB gets loose and I have to freaking go underneath my desk and plug it back in. How long did you no. take, Coach? One hour and seven minutes, I turned 35 years young. What? Boom. Man, that's well, like happy early birthday. Level. We got to celebrate. You know, what I'm gonna, you know what I'm gonna do for my birthday? Sit here in lockdown and make YouTube videos. Hell yeah, hey, brother. No, I'm, I'm actually, I'm gonna go hit the links tomorrow. Um, I'm going to start practicing for what the Montreal Canadiens can expect, which is an early exit to the golf course. <laughs> and... I, I want to bring it back though to when I you were talking about. Their <laughs> it's basically. It. No, nah, I'm sorry, Habs fans. Uh, it's a buy. It's a buy for the Leafs. It's never, a free round. never, fans never. Fans in denial that think that the Habs are gonna win. That's what it is. It's just no, no, the, the Leafs. The Leafs fans have post-traumatic stress disorder until... from the last 55 years of crap that they've put up. And until them? they win the yeah, until they win the cup, they're they're never going to fully believe. In confidence. If you want to know how you spot a bandwagon Leafs fan, overconfident, we're going to do it, we're the greatest. Yeah. That guy hasn't been watching the Leafs for years. The guy that tells you, I, I think we should do this, I hope we do this, this is probably the best, that's a diehard fan. That's a real fan. <laughs> he gets it. He watched last year. I will never believe in the Leafs until they actually finally prove me wrong. So until then, well, okay, I always will believe in the Habs. I'll be honest, I, I think the Leafs can take, like, the, the, the North is theirs to lose. After that, though, just imagine the Leafs win the North, then they get like smacked in five. That would be amazing. Like, my head would ex like there'd be so many people that would just lose it, like because it, it it's that's the big wild card is what the heck happens once you're out of your division. That that's the question with every single team really this year because the, the, no one's played anybody. Like it, it's it's really a huge question, you know, especially for the North, for North teams, you know, like it's gonna be a yep. huge wake up call to go from playing got teams like Calgary, Vancouver, and Ottawa all season to be playing in a, t a division against where they had basically think about how many divisions every team was fighting for a playoff spot, like they were oh, so close. There was it was competitive hockey all season long. You didn't play against teams like Ottawa that knew three weeks ago they weren't going to the playoffs. Four weeks ago, same with Vancouver. Yep. Like it's all that's a huge it, huge like, benefit for teams I, down there. Yeah, like all the teams that made it in the North went on like five game losing skids. Do you guys? Yeah, I know. Do you guys remember? Yep. Do you guys remember when at the start of the season people were like, "Oh, the North Division is gonna be so tough this year. You're gonna have the Habs coming up, the Jets, Oilers. Right. Oh, it's gonna be a bloodbath." Then it just turned out to That's be the, the easiest thing. path for the Leafs to a first round division <laughs> place in years. The yeah, but you know what? Okay, so so this is what happened in the North Division. Calgary, something's rotten in Calgary, and I don't. It's been know rotten for a long time, man. The they got yeah. too like, it's their roster. It's their roster. It was never a championship roster. It had pieces that never had stars. Goodrow yeah. is They're... not a first guy. He's not a guy. Who Neither is Monahan. Right no, no, yeah. Monahan. Let's. I mean, Monahan really never was. Honestly, arguably the best guy on Calgary, I would say, is a toss-up between Lindholm and Kachuk. Kachuk it is Kachuk. Player times, but he has an actual influence on the game at yeah. hand. It's right. Kachuk. I'd take, I'd take both Kachuks on the Jets. I think they're walking cockroaches. Cockroaches survived the nuclear holocaust. 
but I'd take him on my team. I, I mean, yeah. kick to the ankle and all. You, you got to take the agitators. I agree. I mean, Vancouver, I know I know you're from BC there, Jake. Vancouver's just too soft. Um, Montreal should not have made the coaching change. I disagree with they, that like, about Ducharme. Vancouver. Ducharme was a terrible, terrible. It's not that Ducharme's bad, but you had a Stanley Cup winner in Claude Julien, and you booted right. him because you thought you had more – Team's got this weird mentality since the Penguins have done it that if you replace a coach, you're going to win a cup. Okay, the Penguins did it twice, but no one's ever talking about the fact that they have Crosby. Didn't like the uh, Flyers do Coach or not, Malkin. Crosby. Like, no, like. They they made the cup final and they lost? Yeah, but they lost. Yeah, exactly. No, that's what I mean. Like, it's not a guaranteed thing. Also, worth noting that the game that triggered that, um, that coaching change was that goal that got disallowed the gallagher one with like seconds left that was the that was the domino that was like the, the tom wilson first i've always domino. thought that was a stupid thing to do though that was a, i i i well it was the like i talked about this on my channel i even said i'm like that should have been a goal murray got ready he got set puck went past them they go to they call it no goal they go to overtime and lose claude julian gets sacked the next night i'm like wow the hockey gods hate montreal and, like, and montreal puts themselves into a corners act because they do speak french and they need a french speaking coach i mean there's no rule saying they need it but it makes sense most yeah. of their media is done in french so they need a french speaking coach well guess what when you're picking from a pool that is less populated because clearly if you pick from a pool of english and french speaking coaches you have more options but they have to limit themselves to french speaking coaches they end up with a stanley cup winner in julian and their thought is au revoir I know, I know, I know. Barely after yeah. a season and a half. So yeah. they did this to themselves, and not they in, in terms of the Habs fans, they in terms of the Habs. Like, who is their G- GM named again? God, Mark he's... Bergevin. Mark Bergevin. Bergevin's gotta go. This guy's been there for a decade. So here's the funny thing with Montreal. Montreal and Winnipeg have the two largest scouting staffs in the NHL. They spend more money on it than anybody. This is why picks are good. Is it's Chevy no. a good GM at picking? For sure. Is Bergevin made some good picks? Well, he's made some a lot of duds considering how much money they invest in it. You passed up Brady Kachuk for KK. I think you'd really like to have some Brady Kachuk on that I team I disagree now. with that. I like, I, I, I like uh, just Brady Kachanemi a lot. I, have, I love a lot of what I see and in this game. His development is... Gallagher. He's going to be growing slow. Gallagher. I don't... Personally, man, it's just just me. I, I, I think Brady Kachuk is, looks better than what he actually is because he plays on Ottawa and he's their number one option. Doesn't he have the most amount of shots in the NHL as well? Yeah, but it's also because he's the yeah, only one yeah, option, only does, one taking yeah. shots. Well, I, I, it's funny. I actually like. I l- I'm not saying he's a bad player, but I'm just I'm just saying that I don't really think that he's he's all that. He's yeah. a complimentary guy. I don't see him as a top player in the league. Yeah, like Bergman's made like a lot of underrated moves to get guys that like for well he signed he signs to Foley. He trades with Edmonton for Petrie, who's having a Norse candidate worthy season. I think mm-hmm. is fair to say. Um, obviously, the price contract's a little high. Even the, the trades that people looked he at at the time were like, that why contract, would you do though. that? Well, you know, they had to pay him. Yeah, exactly. Guy never went, wasted his prime trade. with that team. And then, right, and right. Then, you know, I gotta pay him a bit. It's the big one, though, right? And oh, yeah. Let's, let's be honest. Subban trade looked terrible for the Canadians in the short term. Long term, they arguably win that trade, I would yeah, say. Yeah, but it also Weber depends. Does PK drop paid. as much if he stays in? And so that's a whole other conversation for another day. But. I know, I know. But did the, but did he make it work with the guys he had? Yes. Um. Also, when they trade away Max Pacioretty, they bring in Thomas Tatar, and they get Nick Suzuki off that as well. I believe it like was one of the yeah, they pieces got Nick, in that. Ironically, the guy the Jets were going to draft. 
Right, yeah. Like, I, I like a lot of the moves they've made. It's just, it feels like they're kind of just a better version of the Calgary Flames. They just got a better supporting cast, in a way. Uh, the Anderson trade as well has actually really worked well for them. Not really. It's He's kind of sucked. He was hot at the start, and he's dropped off. He but here, but, but he okay, but Zach, I got I got to cut you off on this, though, Zach. You're giving them far too much credit because in the city of Montreal and in, Habs, and in Habs fans' lands, there is no such thing as third place and good enough. They're Stanley Cup or bust, and they have not been a legitimate Stanley Cup threat for 25, 30 years, and that's a problem for Montreal. So, yes, in a, in, in a small market like Calgary or Winnipeg, yes, we could all look at this and say we've done well. That doesn't play in Montreal ever, and it shouldn't. They should demand more. It's a, it's a tough group, just like the Leafs. When you have that kind of drawing power, money, and pedigree behind you, you should be able to put a, a very good team together and win a cup. Frankly, the fact that Canadians haven't won a cup in 28 years, not just the Canadians with an E, but Canadians with an A at the end of it, uh, the Canadian teams haven't won a cup in 28 years, and that's, that's kind of a joke. It's, it, it I always like to say with that, Toach, I'm glad you brought this up because it kind of, it kind of, I'm gonna relate it to the Jets in a way too. And maybe this is just me as a fan who's grown up watching hockey a lot more in the 2000s and so whatnot, and seeing this kind of spell grow up my entire life, not witnessing a Canadian, a kind of a cup one on Canadian soil. Point being, um, I feel like, like the Jets, kind of with Paul Maurice and their acceptance with mediocrity. I feel like there have been for far too long too many teams that were just stuck with and acceptable with mediocrity and mediocrity coaching, mediocrity management, that when they had good teams in play us, playoff teams, but they never were taken to the next step because it felt like they just never were, you know, built properly by the GMs. It felt like they always just accepted for what they had, and especially in the last 20 years, and that comes from a Canucks fan, too, who grew up watching the prime Canucks with the Savines, and they were a really well-built team at times, but even when you go look at this roster now, we're like, well, how much of this is just the Savines, you know, boot bolstering everyone around you? Like, there's a lot of questions that get brought up around that, and that was probably the, let's be real, the best Canadian team to come out of Canada to a cup final in a very long time, probably since back when the Habs won it, I would say. They were a very good team. They were should have won that oh. cup. And I feel like they just, I feel like other than that one case where the Canucks, you know, in the, I would say maybe that five, six year window, because let's not forget the the early two thousand Canucks, they weren't that good. Like every other Canadian team. They were medi mediocre. They had good talent, Naslin, the Young Sabines, West Coast Express, but they were mediocre, like every other Canadian team really was. Minus you're getting a random run by the Oilers and stuff like that and whatnot. Right. Like, I feel like for this kind of culture change, and we're seeing it with the new Leafs, and I feel like that's kind of where it started, was when Shanahan came in for the Leafs, and they really, when they drafted Matthews, and they took Marner and all this stuff, I felt like when that happened, you had these Canadian teams kind of, you know, finally shift in the sense that they weren't accepting mediocrity anymore. They were more accepting the fact that, you know what, the NHL has changed, we're not competing when we used to be. Like, you saw guys like Burke get canned, like, you saw all these different types of old staples in the Canadian markets kind of lose their jobs that have been there for a long time, and they kind of just reshaped and rebranded into the modern-day hockey. And that's happened with every team, but especially in Canada, you've kind of seen this more, you know, growing accept non-acceptance of mediocrity, especially within the top markets. Like you said, the Habs always want to be pushing now. They want to be the best. Leafs fans every year now, ever since they've been able to get Matthews, they think they're going to win the Cup every year. Bandwagon or not, they're still very high on their club because they have a good reason to be. And I feel like even with the Jets, we made a Western Conference final run. I know my camera froze again. I don't know what's going on with that, so I'm just going <laughs> to keep talking. Point being right. is that I think that when you have these, you know, especially that the Jets and the Leafs, I would say, even though the because the Habs haven't done much, the Jets and the Leafs have kind of they pushed the Northern teams to kind of want more and build better and build stronger. Because I look, look at the Canucks management now, right? Like, they haven't been great, but they're building a strong foundation. Unlike, you know, teams like when you look at Calgary, where they settled for mediocrity. 
and well, will you reset your, will you reset your camera i'll walk you through what ends up happening in toronto and changing the canadian landscape and that's very simply the fans in the two big markets of montreal and toronto finally giving it to maple leaf sports and entertainment the ownership group of the habs as well too and telling them we're not going to settle for it when i bug the leafs fans and call them bandwagon shirt tucking corporate fans that really comes from the fact that the leafs building was being sold out year after year by a bunch of corporations that weren't ever watching the game sometimes they gave away their free tickets 21 dollar beers and nobody cared about the playoffs. And when I say nobody, I don't mean diehard real Leafs fans. No There's way. a lot of them. I mean the people in the freaking building that got the actual tickets, minus the 2,000 actual fans. You had 17,000 jackasses sitting in the building with a shirt tucked in and a collar on their shirt, not caring about the product and the ice because they were there for networking. Well, the real fans were outside the building, unable to get into their own arena. And then finally, before the Shanahan thing came in and they started throwing jerseys on the ice, which was absolutely deserved, Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment woke up. You have Bell and Rogers owning half the Leafs and half the Habs, and they're th just there as a pension investment. Like, these guys aren't pushing to win. They're a corporation and a board. So at least Shanahan comes in and turns it around, and now the, now the Habs start trying to chase. I mean... I got to give the Habs a little more credit than the early Leafs because the Habs tried. They That's did true. try. I mean, they yeah. gave it an effort. And then you look at the Western teams. The Western teams have put together some good teams. And I had a, I have a great guy on uh, on comments here that talks about the salary cap era and the after-tax money and the fact that the Canadian teams can't compete. Because you look at John Tavares, he's making $15 million this year. He's taking home seven point two. If he took home that $15 million in Tampa Bay, he'd take home nine five. That's a big reason to not draft free agents, but I'm not going to let that be the sole reason Canadian teams can't win. You have eight years of ownership over a player where it's not a free market. Restricted free agency, ELC contract. You should be able to put three to five drafts together with first-round picks that end up developing in two to three years so you have those top players ready to go. And that's what the freaking Jets have done, and we're blowing it. Oh, ah. exactly. We are yeah. blowing it. Yeah. And we're here now. I brought us right back to right. the Jets. You just see how I just swarmed yeah. right through everybody? There is there we go. There is one thing that I would like to touch on, and you guys kind of touched on it too. Like, because the last Canadian team to win in the Stanley Cup was 1993 by the Canadians. That was their famous, like, 10 overtime wins in a yep. row. It was nuts. Since then, if we look at all the Canadian teams, all of them have had years where it actually, like, they got close. Like, um, Calgary made it to the Cup Final against Tampa, lost in seven. Oilers lost in seven to, to Carolina. Um, Ottawa loses in the finals to Anaheim. I forget if that's like, I think it was five. Um, uh, who am I missing now? Uh, Vancouver, of course, losing seven. It's like every team had a moment except the Leafs. Winnipeg made it to the conference finals, which was already exceeding all the expectations that they had set because they hadn't won a playoff series at all. Yep. Hadn't won a you game. know but you know what? Calgary and Edmonton and Ottawa made it there in spite of the team they had around them. Heatley, Alfredson, and Spezza were the best line in hockey. But then because they play in Ottawa, there's nobody else left on that team. Name me another player. I'm sure there's a lot of people here listening to this that can. But, like, really casual fan, not going to remember it. Calgary Flames, Jerome Emery. Emery. The late Emery. But, but they reached, and Kiprasov right. and Aginla took him over, and when Jerome Aginla beat up Darian Hatcher in a fight, 
that swung the series and here comes calgary and then sadly in edmonton you're carried by the beast that's chris pronger he ends up banging a reporter supposedly and then he has to get traded to the ducks and the worst part about that is after his wife makes him get traded to the ducks his damn ducks team beats the senators okay so i would also like to mention though too on that oilers thing rolison gets injured in game one in that series that is the turning point there the backup goalie comes in, he makes that terrible play behind the net where I think it was Brindamore actually puts it in in the in the closing moments of game one to give the uh, Hurricanes game one. Now you have to win. It, it's it's kind of like what we talked about before. Now you have to win five good games instead of four good games because you pissed away your first good game, yep. and now you have to do it with an inferior goaltender, which we've seen in series with teams that deserve to play a lot better, like teams like um colorado teams like a lot Winnipeg, of them, a lot yeah st louis Winnipeg calgary well. do we have to yes. go on about potentially what we're going to see this year three years in exactly. a row yes. okay so so what i want you guys to do now then since we've steered into hot body rod and the carolina hurricanes <laughs> tell me who you think is tell me who you think is going to be the division winner of each conference and who you think is the best upset possibility in each conference start with you zach uh, best upset possibility in each conference, I would say. I I I really want Florida to win their division. I really yep. want that Florida team. That Florida team was me, built me too. so well this offseason. I I don't know if I think they can beat Tampa. I don't know if they can beat Carolina. I hope they can. Um, and then in the other divisions, I'll be honest. The what the East division is the toughest I think for me to judge because there's just. It's just a tough one to say, yep. honestly. Norris like, nominee probably... Cody Cece, ladies and gentlemen. It... Woo. Yeah, exactly. So who so who's your pick so who's your pick coming out of there? So you got Florida I, out of the I central. Florida. I got mm... Rapid yeah. Fire Man, you gotta come pick on, one. you gotta go. Pick come on. It's hard, okay? Just pick I'll a go... team. Uh, uh, Washington. I'll go Washington. Washington. Try yeah, to talk okay, more into your we, mic. Try to talk more into your mic. You're kind of cutting out, yeah. Zach. Well, you, 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 you stress me out. Uh, I'll okay, go so Washington. You got Washington. And then who do you got in the West? West, I have Colorado. I think Colorado. Okay, and, then, and then in the North? And then in the North, I have, I have Leafs. Cause this is okay, so, and then who's your cup winner? Cup winner? Yeah. I, 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 I think it... Rapid fire, man. Rapid fire. Colorado or Florida because the... No, 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 head in your back. You get to pick one. You get to pick one. One. Okay, there you go. Okay, who's got Florida? Jake, who are your conference winners? Who's your cup winner? In the Central, I'm picking for the Florida Panthers to come out. I want them to go through. The upset I'm picking in that, I am picking the Predators. I'm Because who knows what could happen. And I'm just going to say that why not? Why not? I like I like random things. Hey, I, I I thought the Columbus Blue Jackets had had a chance that year. Let's just say that much at least. All right, yeah. coming out of the East Division, I am going with the Penguins. I really like this team. I think it's kind of a random year for them, and why not all go for it? You kind of have a couple more shots, and this might be your last real good shot with the way yep. the divisions are. So I think that they're going to be playing all for it. Crosby wants another one. You're going to know it. And I'm going to pick the Islanders coming in out of there. The Islanders have been flashy at times. They've been really good, but sometimes they can't score. Sometimes they can score too much. Sometimes they can't play defense. They really haven't really found consistency yet in the last few games. So I think the Islanders yep. could surprise if they find their game of hockey. Coming out of the West, I am going 
going with the Vegas Golden Knights. I love the way the Vegas Golden Knights are built. I love their roster, and I am picking the Blues to come out of that as a as the wild card because I think that Ryan O'Reilly coming out with his cockiness he did and saying that he guarantees a series upset against that uh, it could be a potentially a thing. So I'm going with them. Uh, and then coming out of the North Division, I actually cannot bring it in my soul to say the Leafs. I think that if the Oilers. I think the Oilers could do it. I think for, if there's one team yep. ever assembled in NHL history where they can back win off a cup off of two guys and two guys alone, it's this Oilers team. So because of that, I think the Oilers can potentially beat the Leafs, not because the Leafs are bad, just because you never know, and I don't like taking the Leafs. So I take the Oilers, and then I will take the, the Leafs as the second team coming out of there. Why not? Okay, so who's your cup winner then? My cup winner is the Florida Panthers. I love the way they're Damn built. Right. Coach Damn Q. right. I love the way they're built. I love their coaching. I think that it's years of mediocrity, 25 years since, if I'm not mistaken, since they've won a series. So I think the fans, whatever left of them are left, are overdue. And I would love to see that team finally have some success. They deserve it. They haven't, you know, they had their heart broken the last time they were in the playoffs against the Islanders that series. It was brutal. They got And they did. Series. And I have a lot of faith in them. And I, I think that this could be a year where we see a random team come through, kind of like Dallas last year, a big, big upset in a way. I think the Florida Panthers could easily be that team this year. Interesting. So you got the rats and the big cats. I do. I do. <laughs> okay. So what's interesting about this is, first off, the Florida fans deserve nothing. There's two of them. Oh, come on. Give them a break. I know some great Florida fans. When you, I know so some great I, Florida you, fans. I, so do I. But when you put 4,000 fans in an arena, no. That's not for me. Um, number two... I really like your pick of the Oilers, to be honest. Um, if you go ahead, go to my channel and take a look at my last four breakdown videos. I'm not. I haven't watched the North Division. My... I have watched all of the other ones so far. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to steer away from my picks. I'm going to keep them the same. So I've done each conference with a very detailed breakdown. And the funnest thing about doing picks is that no matter what you do or how you break it down, someone's got a counterpoint, and the counterpoint's valid. So I actually think the Edmonton Oilers could absolutely win the Stanley Cup. But in the North, I'm picking the Leafs. I think the Leafs are just too deep of a team. In the in the Central, I got to go with Carolina. I do. I think Hot Body Rod and that team's too well coached. They have the second and the third best rated power play and penalty kill for a reason. Yep. But it's hard to evaluate because everybody's junk after the top three in there. If I go over to the West... The funny thing about the Vegas Golden Knights is I love the Golden Knights, except for the fact that they got to play the Minnesota Wild now. Fun fact, the Minnesota Wild are winning the series this year 5-3 to three over the Knights, <laughs> and they have slaughtered the Knights since the Knights have come into the league. The Knights can't beat the Wild, so that is primed for an upset. I did pick the Knights. I think this is where the Knights break that path. But if there was ever an upset to happen, it's going to be the Wild. The Avalanche come out of that series, so I have the Avs coming out. And finally, in the East, which is by far the hardest division, like this feels like a coin flip, but I, I took Boston, and I took Boston because I don't think the toughness of Washington. Boston. Well, here's the thing with Washington. So Washington can win a cup because they're stacked top to bottom, but Washington beats you up in the offensive zone and defensive zone. They have no transition speed. They haven't for two years. That's why they got beat by the Islanders. The Bruins are fast. The Bruins may not be as big as Boston, but they're tough as freaking nails. You can hit Bergeron and Marchand all you want. They'll pop back up. They'll go score a goal. So I think in the marathon race of the, the Capitals trying to beat up the Bruins, the Bruins take it on the chin. They use their speed, and they clear them out. So I'm ending up with the Bruins, the Leafs, the, the Carolina Panthers, and the Avs, which sets up an interesting matchup because there's no bracket here. They just reseed. That actually sets up Carolina versus Toronto, which is a very interesting matchup, and it sets up Colorado versus Boston. 
which is really good. And there is a world, boys, where the Boston Bruins and Toronto Maple Leafs meet for the Stanley Cup. That is a world that uh, I kind of want to see. Oh, I just, I, I'm not going like to tell you. That is a watch the world burn I th- I think I, I think that, that would officially break Steve Dangle if that happened. Yeah, oh, my God. I'm not going to tell you what, because tomorrow my video launches with my Stanley Cup winner, and I will break it down, and every pick that I made has logic behind it. I'm not just picking to burn the world down here. <laughs> I'm picking what I think is going to happen. I think the bees end up going through that tough division. And I tell you, I look at my channel, and there are some fired-up Islander and Washington and Penguin fans all over the place on me. There are less Beats fans on there than I thought there would be, so that surprised me. I feel like I'm going to – like, me and Carter have to release our um, our predictions for this stuff. I feel like you, you guys ra- maybe rapid-fire this. And I'm going to go That's afterwards good. and be like, I know, but, like, the East especially, I'm like uh, – yeah, but the best part about this is I've prepared you for your YouTube content. Now you'll think about exactly. it and put some good thought behind it. And here's oh, the thing, yeah, Zach. Sure. Fans got to know this because Craig Button said this today. I, I, I don't know if you guys saw Craig Button burn down the world when he basically said, and I quote, okay, this isn't a quote, it's paraphrasing, the Habs are trash and can't beat the Leafs. He had a really short interview where he just said that they, they're not going to win one game. It's going to be a four-game sweep. He's from uh, Quebec. He was fired up, and you can see he's a Habs fan. He was, like, passionate and just like, I'm done. Kind me of about, like the, a me about the, Jets. the Jets. Exactly. Yep, and he was unapologetic today, and he said, yes, I said the Habs could do really good in January, but we adjust every game, every shift, every series. So he's saying now it's the Leafs, and the best part about this is if I'm wrong, I'll adjust next series because every time we get a new piece of information, we change, and that makes sense. So when people are like, "No, oh, you're just following the following what?" Actually, watching the game. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I like that part of the team so much. Oh, that so great. do I. That Sam you know, Bennett playing great. Gusev has stepped up his game since going there. Every single like, it's like what happened in Columbus, but actual. Actually, all of their acquisitions worked. Instead of Columbus, where none of them worked. <laughs> Can I show you guys the new Florida Panthers logo? Hell yeah, drop it in the chat. Okay, sure. how do I share my screen here? Uh, it should be right next to the webcam option. I got it. And you just can select your screen. There it is, loading up. Oh, it's going to shift all the webcams. Oh, no. That's okay. Ah, I can't see it. Everyone we'll, can't. We'll make a new space. I froze again. Why is my mic doing, camera doing this? I don't understand. Okay, so what do you guys think about this new Florida Panthers logo? It's it's just uh I think it is very very nice. You know they got a, they got a, they got a history of having their uh, the, uh, that Panthers hands uh on things, you know, they got the breaking the stick now, now he's getting older, he's having that victory cigar, he's getting ready, he's getting the taste of victory in his that. mouth. Oh, come on, that's well, a great it, you know logo. It, it, it shows the Cuban-Latino connection exactly. in Florida because they're cat smoking the Cuban. It's just multicultural. It's fantastic. Exactly. It's fantastic. After a hard day's work at the rink. <laughs> okay, guys. Well, this has been really fun. We have our playoff predictions in. Check out my video that drops tomorrow. It will give you my Stanley Cup winner. And then I will adjust when I am inevitably my bracket busts and I'm completely wrong. <laughs> and I'll readjust it for pick two. Because at the end of the day, it's just a whole bunch of coin flips you're putting together. So picking a perfect bracket's always tough. This has been the Prairie Puck Podcast. I'm Coach Ryan D with Hot Garbage Sports. I'm- this is Jake. Yeah, I'm 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 uh I'm Jake from Pig City Hockey. Oh, sorry to cut you off there, Coach. <laughs> and just like every Disney Channel, I'll chime in now. I am Zachary Nolan from the Norton Hockey Podcast. 
<laughs> this has been Hawk Garbage Sports in association with the Prairie Puck Podcast. We will see you next Friday at 9 a.m. on our regular upload time at the Nolan Hockey Podcast Drop. Indeed. After that, it will follow through to the Peg City Hockey Podcast Drop, and we'll be back on Hawk Garbage Sports three weeks from today on a Friday again, not on a Saturday. So chase us around, smash the subscribe on all my friends' channels. Thanks for being with us. This has been Coach Ryan D, Jake, and Zach. Carter Nolan behind the camera. Peace out. Have a wonderful night, everybody.